You're tuned into CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. Thank you for joining us for Mental Health Let's Talk About It. I am Charlene Pickram, your host and owner of Pick Empowerment. I want to thank our worldwide listeners for tuning in. And tonight's guest, well, she is actually a former neighbor when we were in <laughs> Uh, elementary, April moved in onto the street, um, and then we kind of lost contact, and now she's back on the scene. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so April Stroink is with us. She's a financial planner and money coach. So we're going to talk about how money and mental health and mental illness, the link, there's a vicious cycle that's often there. And so, April, how did you get involved into financial planning? Well, that's a very good question because it certainly wasn't um, wasn't something that I had planned on starting out with. Um, yeah. But uh, in 1999, I took a position with a national uh, financial company yeah. and really started to really appreciate on the financial side of things, how it's all wrapped into everything that we do in our lives. So in yeah. 1999, I started with um, with an insurance company and then went in two years, really wanted to start helping people directly. So I went into advising clients directly. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I started to notice is that we were always talking to our clients about saving and uh, having a safety net and making sure that we were planning for retirement, but mm. we were failing to ask our questions, our clients' questions about what was their mindset around money? Mm. Why were they saving their money? In some cases, you know, they weren't able to put away because they weren't actually able to pay their bills for today. Yep. So it really got me thinking about, okay, well, what is it that drives people with money? Mm. And also, what are people's money mindsets? And in 2013, I was really disenchanted with the industry myself. Mm -hmm. I really felt like we weren't um, addressing the core needs of our clients. And we were just, again, trying to advise them on putting away for retirement. And yeah. I actually decided that I was going to leave the industry. Um, I felt that my mental health and my stress around the job just wasn't worth it um, on my family and for myself. Yep. So I actually took a year and socked away enough money that I could have six months just to be with my daughter. Nice. Um, my oldest daughter actually in primary, she told her teacher that mom was never home. I was always in Moncton. I don't know why she said Moncton, but mm. she said I was always in Moncton. <laughs> so I vowed to myself when my youngest daughter was in primary, yeah. I was going to be home. Yeah. And not on the road. Because in my previous job, I had a lot of responsibility. I was traveling all of the time. Mm. I was leading a regional team. So I was, in, I was traveling Newfoundland, New Brunswick. I was never home. Mm. And again, it was affecting my mental health and the relationship that I was having with my children. So I decided that, okay, I'm going to take a look at my own life and see what I can actually cut out nice. and start to save so that I can take time off to be with my children because that's what's important for me. Mm. And it was really a very eye-opening and interesting experience. Yeah. I found that I was, because I was so miserable in my job, I was filling that hole with nice clothes, 
um, trips to the spa. Mm -hmm. All of these things that A, did not align with my goals and values, and B, were actually sabotaging me to get to the place where I wanted to be, which was to be home with my children. Yeah. So I just took a look at this. I'm like, this is crazy. So I cut out all of those things because I had that goal of I really want to make a change in my life and I really want to be home with my children. And yeah. I just need to step away from this professional career that I had that I think for women, we're so torn between, you know, wanting to be home with our kids and wanting to help others and wanting mm -hmm. to have a fulfilling career. And sometimes one of it just has to give. So I did that and I left in uh, 2013 and uh, actually saved up enough as well to take the family to Europe for four weeks. Mm. And then uh, came home and really just worked on myself and being with my children. Nice. And really started to see that, oh my gosh, you know, I can do this on far less money when uh -huh. I align all my goals together. My husband and I at the same time owned a business together. Mm. And uh, he, so he was running the business. I was home with the children and just you know, fulfilling what I wanted to do. I had the money saved. Yeah. And then uh, my husband was elected into provincial government. Okay. Which just put our world sort of, um, <laughs> that's, you know what, that's a whole other show we can talk about being the spouse of a politician. Um, and so then I stepped into our business. Mm. And that was very eye-opening too because it was a retail business, successful retail business in Halifax, but I stepped into it from a financial point of view. Yes. And started to take a look at, okay, well, in this business now we're be we've been behaviorally spending awry as well, mm. and we weren't aligning our values in our business. So I took the systems that I put in place for my own personal uh, experience of stepping away from a career that wasn't fulfilling to me yeah. into putting it into the business. And started to really take a look at, you know, if you're a small business owner, you are always the last person to get paid. <laughs> always. Right? You're always looking yep. at, you know, everything else. And there's so much stress on small business owners. And, um, and then I was feeling that stress too. So really looked at it from a financial point of view. Really started to put systems in place. Taking the emotion out of it because mm. business can be very emotional. Yep. It was like a third child for my husband and I and probably consumed more time than our children. Yes. And then three years later, I just decided, you know, this is not the life that I wanted. I did not leave that career <laughs> yeah. to, to step into this one. And yeah. I don't even like to shop. So retail wasn't really my bag. So I actually took a really long walk. I decided that I just needed to get away and I hiked the Camino in Spain. Wow. And it was on a mountaintop that I'm like, okay, April let's center ourselves again and get into what was really important. Mm. And so I came home and uh, really worked on, had great accountants that were really strategic advisors of mine and really worked the system of getting, I'm going to get really tech, like, like I'm really <laughs> kind of geek out on, on finance, but just really get my balance sheet in order because yeah. I knew that I wanted to sell. And then Moved that along to the profit and loss and got it to a place that we successfully stole, sold off five. We had five businesses, so we sold Holy them Holy smokes, April. Yeah. So at that point, I'm just like, okay, well, what's what's the next thing that I want to do? And it really was, I re if I felt this way mm -hmm. um, as a professional woman in my first career, mm -hmm. there's other women that must be feeling this way. And if I felt this way as a small business owner, 
there must be other small business owners out there that are feeling the way that I do too. Yeah. And so started looking at, okay, well, let's take a deep dive into money mindset and into how people are feeling because people have got to be feeling the same way that my husband and I were feeling mm -hmm. and kind of felt completely out of control. And then serendipitously, as it always does, <laughs> on my daughter's seventh birthday, one of my friends said, hey, you know, there's a, a group of women that I, I don't know what they do, but I think that you should go and meet with them. I think that you guys would hit it off. So yeah. um, in February 2017, I met with Wendy Brookhouse and um, Stephanie Clark from Black Star Group. And I loved what they were doing on the money mindset side of things. Mm -hmm. And I started in their program in February of 2017. And what we do is we actually take a look at, okay, what is your money mindset? What's, what are your goals and what are, what's important to you? So instead of just saying, you know, you need a million dollars for retirement and here's your mutual fund portfolio and there yeah. you go. It's like, well, why? Yes. Why do you need those things? Yeah. And it's not always that I want to retire. It might be my job is sucking the life out of me. Mm -hmm. I'm in debt, all of these things. So the program that we do is we take a look at, okay, what are your values? And then we align them. Mm -hmm. And then we get real about your spending. <laughs> so we actually analyze your spending habits. Yeah. We um, take four months of all of your credit cards, lines of credit, loans, bank accounts, everything. And we have an analyst that looks through it and puts it in what we know is your, your non-discretionary. So having a good day or a bad day, you got to pay your rent or your mortgage. Yeah. But having a good day or a bad day and you walk into Halifax Shopping Center, for example, will really determine how many bags you walk out with. Mm. And again, this whole thing around mental health that we just have this, this hole sometimes that we fill with stuff. Yep. And call it stuffitis. And then we get the <laughs> stuff and we bring it home and then we feel more guilt about that too. Yeah. So that's when we started really doing on the money coaching side of things. So still as an advisor, still as a financial advisor, but really taking a look at it from what's your money mindset yeah. and what's your mental health around money. And once we see what your spending plan is, where you're spending your money, then we say, okay, well, this is where we, how we think you should be spending your money. And yeah. we get people to switch to cash mm. because it's a proven fact that if you spend with a card, you'll spend 125% more than what you would do with cash. And we're leaving this cashless society too. So we do yeah. not have this relationship with cash anymore. Nope. Which is another thing we talked about. Um, my daughter and I have a YouTube channel where we talk about money. I know. I love it. <laughs> <clears throat> You're so cute together. Like, I don't, uh, yeah, it's great. Well, it's completely unscripted, which is the fun part about yeah, it. Yeah. I never know what she's going to say. No, I know. That's what I love. <laughs> Yeah. But with our children too, like what are we teaching our children? We put a plastic card into a machine and mm -hmm. money spits it. Or yeah. we hand over a plastic card for everything that we need. And and we're not taught financial literacy in our school system here in Nova Scotia. Nope. And it's still, you know, we were talking before we went on air about that mental health is still taboo. Well, talking about money is even even worse. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but my parents didn't talk to me about money. No. My parents were also small business owners. And I just knew about money that we had a bad month when yeah, you yeah. Know, we were eating craft dinner instead of steak on Sundays. Yeah. So we don't talk about it with our children in the home and they don't learn about it in school. And then all of a sudden they're thrown into this world. And now it's a very, very financially complex world mm -hmm. where people are handing them debt Mm -hmm. and um, say, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, 
so short answer to your question <laughs> is that I've been doing this since 1999. Nice. And I've really, you know, the work that I do is changing lives. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And so on that note, we're going to take our first break. Um, you're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. And we'll be right back with April Strink. Welcome back. I'm Charlene Pickram, Mental Health. Let's talk about its host. And let's continue talking with April Strink about financial planning. And so in the previous segment, we talked about mindset. Can you help our listeners understand what does that term mean in regards to our finances? Absolutely. So money does not equal math. Mm. Because if it did, we would do all the right things that we were supposed to do with it. Money is emotional. It's the same as, you know, food or trying to get healthy. Um, it's, 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 it's our whole behavior and emotions around it. Yeah. So emotionally, we know we shouldn't eat, or rationally, we know we shouldn't eat a tub of Haagen-Dazs, right? Yeah. But emotionally, we've had a bad day at work, tired, mm -hmm. it's the first thing we go to. Money is absolutely no different. And money, in some cases, is even more powerful mm -hmm. because um, our whole culture is really driven around money. So it doesn't, it's emotional. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking on the break that if, if, if we've racked up our line of credit um, and we've taken a loan and we've called our parents, and, uh, you know, to get us out of a financial bind and we're embarrassed and we're ashamed mm -hmm. and we feel so bad about ourselves and the decisions that we make, what do we do? We go out and we spend money to make ourselves feel better. Yeah. So it's the whole emotion. When we talk about mindset, we talk about the emotion that we place on money. Yeah. Money, money isn't even a thing like it's it's a man-made woman-made invention that we invented for trade mm -hmm. but now we have placed so much power on money we're polluting our environment over money yeah we're having we're you know have tainted relationships over money we're going to war over money one of my favorite books is uh, by Lynn Twist called The Soul of Money and she really talks about how toxic our relationship has become with money and it's been mm -hmm. the end, end all be all. You know, we talked earlier about, you know, my pursuit of a career and the money that went along with it and the prestige that went along with it mm -hmm. meant I didn't spend time with my kids mm -hmm. or the things that were really important to me. So it's that whole feeling and emotion around money when we talk about mindset. And there's three things that we know to be true about what shapes our feelings or our mindset around money. The first thing is our upbringing. So we talked about uh, that we it's still taboo to talk about money in the home. Yeah. And yet, you know, our parents are our first teachers. So if our parents were spendthrifts mm -hmm. and um, we're just always spending money, chances are we're going to do the same. Yeah. Or if our parents were always stressed about money and said things in the home like, you know, money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, I'm not made of money or I hate money or money's evil. Mm -hmm. Guess what you're going to feel about money? Money's not evil. It's not even a thing. And if you constantly feel that way about money, you'll actually live in a place called of scarcity. Mm -hmm. and you want to get to that place of abundance. So when we talk about upbringing, what we see happening in our home as children is how we will also feel about money. Yeah. Will you feel that way or will, you know, we'll just 
be go the, the polar opposite. opposite. Yeah. So when I do, I, I do a lot of um, education. I'm actually a facilitator for the Department of Labor and Advanced Education. And I also put on my own uh, seminars as well. And one of the things that if someone's coming to me um, or, or we're, we're talking together on a money mindset coaching, coaching um, session, one of the things I ask is, what's your first memory yeah. of money? Yeah, the nurture. The nurture and the role modeling plays, I mean, it's ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. And so changing that mindset, that perspective has to come with knowledge. Completely. And I remember asking that question to um, a, a group of women that I was working with, a group of women business owners. Mm-hmm. And one of the women in the group, she's like, oh my goodness, like my first memory of money is that I was always asked to do chores mm. and I did chores around the house. And then I always got paid a lot less for the chores that I've done. And she said, that has continued on in my business career that I will go the extra mile and beyond for my clients and not charge them what I'm worth because mm. I don't think I'm worth it. Yeah. And I, um, it's just, I just, all of those stories that come out or, you know, it's really funny when I ask that question, 95% of people say, as soon as I got a dollar when I was a kid, I went to the candy store. There's some correlation between candy and money going on <laughs> when you're children, but yeah. it's really interesting. You know, if you saw, I grew up, like I was saying earlier with two, um, my parents were in business for together and you know, it, we went through some pretty hard times mm. and as a child I saw that yeah and for me it, it, it put me the other way of just you know I'm just going to scrimp and save every single cent that I had and but that's not a that's not a good relationship to have with money either no and it's something that I've really had to work on yeah so the first is your upbringing the second is the life pressures that you have around you so you know if we take a look at we're supposed to have the you know we're supposed to exercise. We're supposed mm-hmm. to take care of our mental health. We're supposed to be great at our jobs. We're supposed to be perfect parents. We're supposed to be perfect spouses. We have all these life pressures around us. Mm-hmm. And it really, really is affecting our relationship with is with money because we're so time-strapped. You know, one of the biggest things, what we talked about earlier about when we do a spending analysis, one of the mm-hmm. biggest places that people spend money on is food. Take out, baby. Take out. Yeah. Right? So it's the first, first thing we, you know, I just, I had a client meeting last night and she said she, her kid is very, very involved in lacrosse mm-hmm. and it's all that she can do to get, she's a single mom, it's all that she can do to get herself, you know, organized enough from work to get out to the lacrosse pitch. Is it a pitch? Is it a, I don't, I don't field? know. Field? Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they're stopping a lot at McDonald's. They're stopping a lot at Tim Hortons. And then all of a sudden, A, she's feeling bad about the nutritional value of those uh, yep. choices and also the money you know when I go through a spending plan and, and I don't come at this for at a, in a judgmental way at all but you just want to point out to people that if you go to Starbucks 51 times a month and get a latte mm-hmm. that's a lot of coin that's a lot of coin it's a yeah. lot of coin I've worked it out for people as well yeah it's scary it is and but it's just we have these time pressures and these is lifestyle pressures on us mm-hmm. and and that's where things give and then the third thing is, you know, we used to call it keep it up with the Joneses, mm-hmm. but now with social media, I like to say it's keeping up with the Joneses on steroids because yeah. everybody on Facebook or on Instagram or Snapchat or all of these, they're showing you snippets that are very well curated mm. about their lives. Mm-hmm. So I have clients that come in and, and they say, you know, I know what Jim next, Jim and Sarah next door do for a living. But they've taken three vacations this year. 
Yeah. How come I can't do that? Yeah. And so all of a sudden you see this keeping up with the Joneses. And it's really interesting because um, a lot of the clients that I work with are making very good money. Mm -hmm. And what I find is that, you know, the more money that you have, the more that you spend. It's the yep. bigger the shovel, the bigger the hole. Yep. And it's because they have all these pressures. The pressures to put their kids in private school, pressures to take these vacations. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with clients that are making, bringing home $400,000 and are living paycheck to paycheck. And financial freedom for them is having room on a line of credit to pay their taxes. It's scary. It's, and it's, it's just an epidemic. Yeah. So in Canada, um, we are $2.6 trillion in debt. And when you take a look at that, you know, we've, we've gone from a generation of savers. So our, mm -hmm. our parents' generation saved over 14% of their income. Yeah. And now, this, now, in 2018, we are saving less than 4% of our incomes. And yet, we're living in some of the lowest times of interest rates. Yes. But what we're doing is we're keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. So now, to get a bigger home we actually can take out, you know, our mortgages are now at crazy low rates. Mm -hmm. You know, in the 80s, when my father and mother owned uh, a business plus a home, they saw their mortgages go up to 18, 21%. And yet they're still saving. Yeah. Now we have mortgages at less than 2% and we're in debt to our eyeballs. So of that 2.7 trillion, $2.6 trillion in debt, over 700 billion of that, close to 700 billion of that is just consumer debt. So we're talking mm. big screen TVs, trips, fancy cars, what have you. Yeah. And you know, um, when the Bank of Canada, the, the Bank of Canada knows that they can't hike interest rates because of what would happen to the country, but yeah. you know, we go in recession. Exactly. <laughs> so those are the three things that really um, determine your mindset. So your mm -hmm. upbringing, your life pressures. And as well, um, the lifestyle that you, you've brought yourself into. Yeah. So for me, uh, I was the number one bread earner in the household. Um, I had a, you know, profession, um, but very similar to you, my mental health, I couldn't maintain it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to do the mental change, mm -hmm. right? So talk to my partner, you know is this in our best interest for me to leave this um, job? And in the end, um, it was. It was in my best interest. It was in my partner's best interest because I was unhealthy. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't sustain it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so we made some big lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we weren't going on trips every year. Um, we didn't... Um, food plans based on what was on sale. We mm -hmm. would cook extra stuff. We got a freezer so we wouldn't be going out and eating when we were put under pressure mm -hmm. for time. Like there's there's different things you can do, but you have to make sacrifices and it does come down to your values and beliefs, mm -hmm. right? What is important to you and who cares about the Joneses? That's right. Right, because that's a facade mm -hmm. and you don't know how in debt they are, how many people's pockets they're dipping into to mm -hmm. supplement their, you know. And so I totally agree that um, it's very, it's a cultural developed mindset. Mm -hmm. And you need to decide as a family what's more important to you. Correct. And, and so 
you know, this vicious cycle is there. It's impacting people's food. It's impacting people's extracurricular. It's impacting people's sleep because mm -hmm. they're worrying all mm -hmm. the time, um, which increases stress and anxiety. And once you get in that hole, it is so hard to get out without making real life changes. Oh, completely. And I mean, once you go down the credit card hole of 19%, mm. it's, it's, it's very hard. Yeah, it is for sure. So we're going to take a break. Please stay tuned into CIOE 97.5 FM. We'll be right back with April Stroink and continue talking about how you can empower yourself to have a better mindset regarding your finances. Thanks for staying tuned into Mental Health Let's Talk About. It. I'm Charlene Pickram and my guest is April Stroink and we're talking about our finances and how it impacts our mental health. Not only the individual, but the entire family. Um, and so I was asking April during the break if she ever sits down with couples because we know that people fight over money. Mm -hmm. um, and that trickles down to our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they hear these fights um, and it does cause anxiety and stress. And so what does that look like when a couple comes to you to talk about their finances? Well, quite honestly, if somebody comes to see me as an individual and they want to go through my program, I strongly suggest that they go through it with their spouse or partner because it's kind of like asking someone to quit smoking and then their person beside them smoking a pack a day. If mm. you're trying to make changes and the person that you're living with is not making those same changes, this makes it very difficult for you. Yeah. And also, as you said, you know, um, stress over finances is is the number one reason for divorce actually in this country. Mm -hmm. um, just over. I think it was two or three years ago, it used to be the number one reason for divorce in this country was infidelity, and now it is financial stress. Yeah. And um, a lot of times when a couple comes to see me, they can't even talk to each other. Mm. Sometimes they come and they sit on opposite sides of the table. I'm like, mm, okay. And I've actually had couples say to me, you know, we've tried everything. We've tried marriage counseling, um, but nothing seemed to work. But then when we came and saw you and we went through the program, mm -hmm. we're now on the same page together. Yes. Because it was about money. And it's really, again, like we were saying before about money being emotional, mm -hmm. what is actually the root of the problem here? Mm -hmm. and, um, and, then we, and then we just fill it again with, this, with the void of money. So it's, it's very, very interesting um, when, when two people are ready to talk about money and have those honest conversations mm -hmm. and talk about what their mindset is and how they grew up um, because we're both, you know, a couple is each coming from a different yes. household and from a different, usually um, one person's a spender and one person's a saver. Yeah. And both of them are completely at odds with, you know, they both are not happy with how each behavior is. Mm -hmm. And so we really get them on the same page and really get them to start um, working together. And interestingly enough, um, of the 87 couples that I helped last year, seven of them were male-led, as in seven men in the, in the um, couples came to see me first and start initiated. Yeah. So it's, it's mostly women that are initiating the conversation with me. Mm. And um, I think that there is a big stigma for men around that, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be the breadwinner. 
I'm supposed to have a handle on this. I'm supposed to have my money story mm-hmm. straightened out. Yeah. And, um, and I think we just put a lot of pressure on men to, you know, to have this perfect handle on work and, and finances. Well, it was, it was a sign of power. Exactly. And I'm sure in many people's mind, that mindset, money is still a sign of power yeah. for individuals. I control the money, therefore I control what happens in my home, I control that person. So I see money sometimes as um, that it can be abusive. Completely. I've actually been in interviews with clients, um, in, in particular uh, a woman a client, woman client that came to see me and I actually had to stop the discovery and ask her if she was okay mm. because of her answers to the money and, and, and what have you. So again, it's a very emotional thing. Yeah. But once we get, and, and sometimes I've had women come in, they say, Hey, I want to come in on my own to do this because I want to see if I can actually leave this. If I can mm. find, I'm staying, I'm staying in this relationship. A lot of women stay in abusive relationships because yep. of money. Yeah. Um, and they want to see if perhaps they could make it on their own. Yes, exactly. So it's, um, you know, there, it's, it's a gnarly thing. This, this money. Mm. So what about in regards to individuals' potential addictions, if they're, you know, they're getting over, and that could be gambling, Mm -hmm. drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, shopping. I mean, there's so many sex. Sex, yeah. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Anything that we take to excess can be an addiction if it has harm involved in it. Um, So, you know, individuals who have overcome addictions or are trying to overcome their addictions and now are trying to get their finances mm-hmm. together because we know it goes hand in hand when you're addicted you will spend every last cent you have available to you mm-hmm. um so do you ever run into those situations where potentially you're working with different organizations who are helping somebody in one area but they notice that now, okay, this person has come so far, let's get April in mm-hmm. and support them now to move forward. Well, it's really interesting that you asked me that question because this is something that I've been thinking about for a while. And I have been in discussions with Add Some Hosts, for example. Mm-hmm. I had a client, um, I'm just going to sidebar, but I had mm-hmm. a client who um, lived in poverty and uh, her parents had lived in poverty and her mm-hmm. parents for generations had lived in poverty. They had lived on the, on, on the system. Yep. And um, there was just this whole cycle, addiction and, and what have you. And she, she actually rose, she, she was a business owner, a very successful business owner, and now was ready to get her money story together. And it was really interesting to talk with her about this whole mindset that keeps getting passed down from generation to generation mm-hmm. as far as addiction and everything is concerned too, that she's just, you know... When you're in that, and you would know better than I, mm. when you're in that situation and you just want the best for your children, and what yeah. you'll do is you you will decide that I'm going to buy them the new pair of Air Jordans. Well, y- you can't afford to put money on the table right mm-hmm. now. But it just comes to that whole thing about, well, not having the education around it and also having this whole mindset around it. It, it just comes back to what we talked about before in regards to mindset. So. Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of people, when they're getting over an addiction as well, I've worked with people um, gambling, um, 
where actually their spouse was gambling and they didn't, they weren't aware until mm-hmm. their house foreclosed. Yeah. Um, and it's just getting to that place where, okay, you know, why is the gambling there? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's really discouraging too, because you've put yourself into such a financial difficulty that clawing yourself out of that can be as, as difficult mm-hmm. as getting over the addiction. So, um, you know, I just always say to clients that are in that situation, they're starting to get discouraged is just work the plan. Yeah. Work the plan. I day by the, day. Every day. Well, I had a client last night where, you know, she had gotten herself into a position that every year she's going $10,000 in debt. And I'm just like, you just got to work the plan. Trust me on this. Just yeah. work the plan every day. I had a client come in a few weeks ago and said, so this is not a silver bullet. And I'm like, no, it's not <laughs> There a never bullet, is. Right? It's, it's never a silver bullet. Yeah. You're not going to take my program. And then after 30 days, if there's real difficulties, are you going to see a turnaround? Mm-hmm. So it's like everything else. It's day by day and working the plan and having, you know, reward yourself, but not by expanding. Reward yourself yes. by a nice walk in the park or, or swim or, you know, visiting yeah. a child or what have you. But I would like to start to take what I'm doing in into more of these places where... 100%. Yeah, where we really talk to people. I'm thinking them. Phoenix Youth Center, yeah. like helping youth who have come from trauma completely who are trying to get themselves um you know self-sustaining mm-hmm. so how do we do that and again knowledge is power and you know when we were in school we did home ec and um what else did we do home ec industrial arts, industrial arts and, and yeah you know stuff like gym. that they gym. don't have gym anymore <laughs> yeah so where's the where's the education regarding our finances? We know that there is such a negative impact on individuals and their families, short term and long term, when you don't have your finances together. Mm-hmm. I'm all about being proactive. Why aren't we teaching this in the school systems? Completely. I have approached Zach Churchill. Um, in regards to this, I've also approached Kelly Regan, um, in regards to, um, helping women, uh, that have, that are living, you know, underprivileged. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it's something that we need to really advocate is get this into the school system. And as well, though there is, you know, I have done a lot of research in the, in the States, there's nothing in Canada, of course, Mm. but in the States about where they've brought education, financial education, literacy in early, and there's, they've shown success. Oh yeah. But as well, like we do have to self-educate too. And there are a lot of great books out there and there's a lot of great podcasts. Um, Unfortunately, they're not a lot of Canadian content, mm-hmm. um, but, and I was just in Holland, actually, my husband's Dutch, and I was in Holland for a family reunion, and uh, we were just sitting around, and, and they know what I do, and they said, in Holland, they are actually paying individuals to become money coaches. Mm. They call it budget coaching. Uh, I want to talk about budgeting in a minute, but yeah. about they, they're paying people to take a nine-month course to become budget coachings to help, um, the government's paying for this, for, to help their citizens because mm-hmm. they're seeing how much of an issue it is. And Holland has always been so proactive they as far are. as education is concerned. Yes. And, um, and, and yeah, they're paying people to become budget coaches. So I, I think, you know, the only way we're going to get ourselves 
out of this, we we have become a nation of spenders. The only other yeah. country that is has spending more than we are individually is Greece. Oh, yeah. You thought I was going to say the states. Hey? I did. Yeah, 100%. everybody always thinks that, but yeah, no. <laughs> um, and I actually just got back from Greece. Yeah. <laughs> funny enough. And you know what? Just on that topic too is that you know in Greece, what what I saw was families uh, being outside and and. Uh, you know, I think we've lost touch with that whole thing. We were outside every single day. Oh, yes, we were. Yeah, we were there. So, yeah. Um, I, I just think, yeah, we're just filling filling the hole of, with stuff. Yeah. And so in regards to, you know, being outside, one of the changes that my uh, husband and I made is we go geocaching. Fun. Right? It's free. We do it. We've done it all over the world, caving, underwater. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. Right? We get our exercise. We engage with other people. Yeah. Like, You're working together strategically. Exactly. There are so many mental health benefits from that without paying a dime. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so, again, it's finding those different tools to assist you to maintain your mental health well-being without having to pay to go to a gym. Yeah. Or, you know, have a trainer or... Put your kids in three different events, right? These these are things that you can do together, and it doesn't matter the age. Yep, completely. So on that note, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we'll wrap up our conversation with April Strink on financial planning. In the final segment of Mental Health, let's talk about it on CIOE 97.5 FM. I want to wrap up by focusing on positives. So how can we as individuals enhance our awareness of mental health, make positive choices to live well, and advocate for self and other when support is required? So we're talking with April Stroink, who is a financial planner, and she's talking about changing our mindset so we can make positive choices around how we spend our money. And April advocates for others and helps them to make this adjustment. So what are some of your key, I guess, uh, approaches or tips that you can provide the listeners to get them started on this mindset change when it comes to money? Absolutely. So the first thing is that, you know, it's not hard to become rich. Mm-hmm. And because it's not actually about what you make, it's about what you spend. Yeah. And there's two things that we have complete control over. One is our thoughts and the other is where we spend our money. Yeah. And in order, so the first thing is to be aware. You know, just be aware. If it's, if it's sitting down and taking a look at your own statements and just seeing where your money is going. We talked mm-hmm. about earlier of, you know, if, if you're going to Tim Hortons once or twice a day, yeah. That adds up. So just be aware of where you're spending your money. So just take the time and track it for a little while. We did that in our house. So for one month, I had Barry bring every receipt home mm-hmm. because he liked the corner store. Mm-hmm. Right? And at the end of the month, we added it up. And I said, look at that number. Yes. And that changed things very quickly. And that was just based on awareness. Completely based on awareness. So that's yeah. the first thing is to be aware. The second thing is just 
let go of what's happened in the past. What is done is done. Mm -hmm. If you continuously beat yourself up about what you've done and what you've spent your money on, yeah, you're not going to move yourself forward. One of the number one reasons why people don't want to come and see me is because they're so ashamed of what they have done. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Move forward. And you're not alone. You are not alone. What I tell people is I've seen it all and I am not here to judge. I am yeah. here to help. Um, so just let the past go mm-hmm. and then start with an action plan. So if you know, okay, you know, I've, I've see that I, I personally had a latte addiction and, um, I would get a latte every single day yeah. and it wasn't even, it, it wasn't even pleasurable anymore. It mm. was just a habit and something that I just did. Now I get a latte once a month. I enjoy it from top to bottom. It's still steamy hot. You know, yeah. I haven't had one in 24 days cause I've been away. So I'm due. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's just, okay. So start to start to take pleasure Mm. in, in those little things that you're doing. So once you have the awareness and once you take it into, into consideration that, you know, I'm where I'm at, Mm. then, then it's the call to action. Yeah. Right. We talked about earlier that some people just aren't ready. Mm. So until the pain is enough that you just want to change your situation. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, well, start the action plan. So in your case, you and Barry decided, well, no more convenience store. Yeah. We're going to just make different chase, chances, choices. Also, a lot of people, just if they took lunch, yes. you know, packed a lunch three days a week, four days a week, they would notice change right away. Yeah. Notice change in their health and notice change in their pocketbook. And then, you know, get yourself educated. Mm-hmm. Self-education is, is, is the greatest gift. So... Don't be blaming that I didn't learn it in school. Don't be blaming your parents. Take action yourself. Yeah. There's great books out there. I recommend Soul of Money by Lynn Twist to understand our relationship with money. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a really great one mm-hmm. to understand that you should invest in assets and invest in your education. I just read The Seven Stages of Financial Maturity. Um, so if, you know, I'll leave you my uh, contact information if, if people are looking for sites or looking for books. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I read a financial book. My husband would be not happy. But I, I, re- I took three financial books with me on vacation um, because I'm just so interested in getting more knowledge and power to help myself, my children, and my clients. Yeah. And then start talking about it. Mm. I have a client that she was in, um, small business owner again, making really good money and not having a cent left over for herself and, and occurring some debt. Mm. And she started talking about it. You know, she started telling people, you know, I'm $50,000 in debt, but I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And it's just that opening up where we talk about mental health. Holding like, yourself just, accountable. Exactly. But just talking about it and not yeah. giving it the power anymore. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of positive steps that we can take every single day to improve ourselves and improve our financial situation too. And it's just about working it every day. Um, another another resource that I really like is from Dave Ramsey, and he talks about um, the snowball effect for your debt. Mm-hmm. So with your debt, what a lot of people do is they get, you know, a tax return back or they get an inheritance or what have you, and they put the whole thing on their debt, mm-hmm. but they don't change any of their spending behaviors. Yeah, yeah. And so then it just goes back on it as well. It's the so, vicious cycle. Vicious cycle. So just, you know, having a plan and go and talk to a professional, talk to a financial advisor, um, you know, talk to somebody that in your community that seems to really have it on the ball with money mm-hmm. and, and, and have a conversation with them. 
we want to help each other. Um, and by helping each other, we become stronger, Mm -hmm. right? And share it with your kids. Share it. Have the conversation. You're not going to be able to move forward unless you involve the entire family, particularly if you have teens and they have gotten used to the spending habits within the household. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't think that this is just an adult problem. This is a entire family that you can empower to move forward completely and then know that you're leaving your children with the best awareness and knowledge possible to be successful with their own money management when they get out there on their own. I have a program that I run for new graduates and, um, and I have parents that that's what they're giving as gifts is the gift of financial literacy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you really have to be be positive in your language around money. So when my husband and I went on the spending plan together in February 2017, we changed our language with our children. So mm. instead of saying, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, and when do you think I'm making money, and all these kinds of things, like, you know what, we're just going to make different choices. Yeah. So if we're going to have pizza on Friday night, then, then we're probably not going to go to a movie on Saturday. So for this whole last year where we were mm. planning a big trip, whenever the girls asked for something, I'd say, well, would you rather that... Mm-hmm. Would you rather pizza or would you rather that n- another pair of shoes or would you rather those things? Yeah. Or would you rather have an extra day in Greece? Yeah. Well, you're working towards a goal. Exactly. Right? And I love how you said change the language. That does change your mindset right away because our thoughts become our behaviors. Completely. And and so that's, you know, one of my big things when we're talking and doing workshops is you have control over what you're telling yourself mm-hmm. and how you're talking, and that's going to influence not only you, but everybody around you. Completely. So another hack that I have is stop calling it a budget. Mm. Whenever we say we're going on a budget, it's automatically a negative. Or yeah. if you're going out with friends, you're like, oh, I'm on a budget, right? It's mm. just It automatically puts you into this place of scarcity because you, you just think of budget as a bad thing yeah so one of the things that I say is and I've said it in the whole show is is a spending plan Mm. so now I know that I have x amount to spend every single week that's when you go through my program Mm -hmm. you get that amount it's a bit of art it's a bit of science and um and we say okay that's that's all you get to spend on you know the traps that we call food retail pharmacy self-care um and when I mean self-care I mean like over yeah, trips yeah. to the spa. Go, go into the spa and spending $120 to get your feet done. You know, I like to do that. Hey. But I don't do it every month. No, no. Or every week. Yeah. Um, so when you have a spending plan, that's, that's what you spend. And if you spend right up to it, great. Mm-hmm. That's what's been allocated for it. Yeah. So, and by switching to cash, too, of having that relationship with it. So just by saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be aware of what's going on. I'm going to, you know, forgive myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to seek out education myself and from others. I'm going to take action and I'm going to, you know, give myself a spending plan. We'll put yeah. you into a place of abundance and take you out of that place of scarcity where there's so much fear. Yeah. So that's my job is I just guide people from fear to financial freedom. I'm mm-hmm. there to help guide them along. Um, also I'm a bit of what we would call an accountability coach too, because like you're saying with the gym, if you do have a trainer or, or your friend that's going to meet you at the gym, you'll go. Yes. Um, and so, you know, maybe you just decide that you're going to make a pact with a friend that, Hey, 
I know people that decide they're not going to drink for a month or people decide they're not going to, you know, they're going to eat healthy for a month. How about yeah. taking a pack with a friend that we're not going to spend We'll support each other. And support each other on yeah. it. You know, instead of saying, hey, let's go to the mall and buy more things. Mm-hmm. I don't have any of those friends. I've no. eliminated all those friends. There's a <laughs> lot of self-sabotage. Like you, you self-sabotage, but then you surround yourself with people who don't empower you to succeed. Completely. And bring it and, and talk negatively down about it, too. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And so you said that you provide workshops. I do. Um, do you set them? How does that all work? Do mm-hmm. people contact you and say, hey, April, I want you to come in? Do you set them up and then you post them on your site? Yeah, so um, uh, my site is pretty easy. It's aprilstroink.ca. And I offer different seminars within the community. I offer a money mindset seminar. I'm also a profit-first professional for small business owners. And I offer a raising a financially fit child. So those are the three that I do for communities. Um, I there there's a fee for the the courses, sorry for the seminars, and that fee goes to junior achievement because I believe strongly in financial literacy and junior achievement is the best financial literacy program for youth that we have in the in the province. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and then people come in and they learn. They, they go away with tools to either raise a financially fit child, get better systems in their business around money, and change their money mindset personally. Mm-hmm. Um, they're running usually once every quarter, taking a little break for the summer. Yeah. Um, I do teach, like I said, for the Department of Labor and Advanced Education, but I do have individual programs too. Mm. Um, so if you want to book in for a free 30-minute consultation, that's when I really can determine which program uh, would work best for you. Yeah. Yeah. Just have yeah. the conversation. Mm-hmm. And what about a phone number? Okay. So um, my phone number is 902-877-2407. And um, you can book in for a free consultation at aprilstroink.ca forward slash book now. So okay. I'm also on Facebook. Okay. Um, also on Instagram. And you can book in through there. And I would really uh, like to get people to, to our YouTube channel um, for Annika and I. It's April and Annika Talk Money. It is hilarious. It is. <laughs> I, I do encourage it. I get a big kick. At, and, and it is your daughter. I'm sorry that she wins me over every time because she's just so like, yeah, yeah, you know, right? And she just says it as it is. And, and you don't, you just let her give her point of view. I love it. Well, I think that's, you know, to raise a financially fit child, I think that they have to have a say in it too. Yeah. And um, and that's one of my favorite programs to teach too is raising a financially fit child. I have worked with the uh, Black Business Initiative at their Businesses Jammin' where I go nice. in and t- teach children yeah. about um, how to manage money too. So that's that's the most rewarding for sure. So, yeah, there's all kinds of ways to come in and – and, and and start this, you know, change your money story. Mm-hmm. You don't have to keep living like this. No. You, you and you don't have it. to have it impact your mental health. Completely. Yeah. yeah. So think of it as a win-win. Yeah. You're winning financially and you're winning mentally. Absolutely. I had mm-hmm. all these stats for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so fun to reconnect to yeah, you. I yeah. love it. I know. It is good. On behalf of my producer, Ryan Pulsifer, I want to thank you for listening and be empowered.